You know, this morning I'm going to be starting a, a new series, and we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 8. And if you have your, your scripture and want to open up to Romans chapter 8, you know, I would say this. It, it seems so frustrating sometimes because <laughs> we want to be spiritual champions. We want to be spiritual champions, but our old nature seems to laugh at us. You know, and, and every chance it gets, it wants to push us down and laugh at us. You know, when I was a kid, I remember growing up as a teenager, and I was in a youth group um, in Oregon. We lived in Oregon, um, not in Portland, but we lived in Oregon. And, um, but we, we used to go swimming, and we went swimming uh, as a youth group. We had a, 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 an outing to the beach. We lived literally, literally an hour from the, 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 the coast. And so we would go there, and went, I remember swimming. I, I was like probably 13 or 14. And... Um, uh, when you swim on the Oregon coast, it is a cold, uh, refreshing, numbing feeling. Okay? The water there is 55 degrees year-round. Okay? And, and so once you get in, you just kind of get numb, and then you have fun, you know? Uh, but until you get numb, it's not a whole lot of fun. But um, in that, where you have waves that crash on the beach, you know, there's, there, in the rocky coastline and that kind of thing, you have what are called rip currents. And so these waves and these breakers roll in, and then there's a place where the water goes back out to the ocean. And they, they find this, it's, it's more like a rip current, and, and they're very strong because they're rushing back out to sea. And um, they're, they're stronger than even the best swimmer. And so when you think about this, we were, we were swimming in the ocean, and, and our, our youth guy that was kind of in charge there was out in the ocean with us, and he was, you know, there was, there was several of us, not probably half a dozen, but we were swimming out there, and, and you know, you jump up in the waves and whatever, and you land on your feet, and you know, we're, we're in this deep of water. Well, I came down, and I couldn't touch bottom. And I figured out that we were in a rip current, and we were going back out to the ocean, and Ken, our, our leader, he said, y'all need to start swimming towards the, the beach. But you don't get out of a rip current by swimming straight back. You get out of a rip current by going sideways, parallel to the, to the beach, so that you can actually get out of that current. But, but man, it, it, it scared me. I was like, it left an impression on me. Because even to this day, I'm very nervous about kids and family members swimming out in the ocean because of those rip currents. And, you know, I, I, I remember that, that feel of that riptide pulling me out and, and out to sea and feeling like, man, I'm, if, if I don't get back to shore, I'm going to be in trouble real quick. And, um, you know, Chuck Swindoll, he said this. He said, we've all felt the subtle yet almost irresistible riptide of temptation drawing us out to the sea of pleasure and then drowning us in its consequences. Being pulled by some force that, that we don't even recognize, and all of a sudden, we're, we're being drowned by its consequences. And, and when we look at Romans chapter 8, we learn that we don't have to kill a giant, we don't have to slay a dragon. It's not about performance. The Christian life is not about performance. It is about faith. And in whom we place that faith. See, it is the indwelling Holy Spirit who is the source 
of divine power for helping us to live a holy life, helping us in our sanctification process. It is the indwelling Holy Spirit who is the secret for the spiritual victory of daily living. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be examining uh, this chapter, and it's a chapter that's often been called either the greatest chapter or one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. I mean, one commentator pointed out, he said, you know, it's so great because it begins, Romans chapter 8 begins with, there, therefore there is now no condemnation. It begins with no condemnation. It ends with no separation. And there's no defeat in between. Folks, this is an encouraging passage of Scripture. It is rich, and we're going to mine it over the next few weeks. Personally, I've come to Romans 8 uh, again and again when I've been discouraged, when I've been depressed, when, when you know, <laughs> I don't see how you could read Romans 8 and remain down. It is so uplifting. I mean, if you struggle with guilt, read Romans 8. If you struggle with sin, read Romans 8. If, if you're going through trials right now, read Romans 8. If you don't know how to pray, read Romans 8. If you're struggling with the assurance of your salvation, read Romans 8. And interesting, while the flavor here of Romans 8 is exhortation or encouragement, there's not one single command in Romans 8. I want to drill down here in, 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 in the first four verses of this, of this passage. And Paul deals with two very, very practical uh, things, issues that we deal with in life. <laughs> Guilt and sin. Guilt and sin. You know, in chapter 7, I'll just kind of give you a little backdrop here. Um, he, he says that be, as believers, we fight this inner war that's going on between the spirit life. You know, we've been born again. We've been born again. We've been born of the spirit. And, and we've, we've put to death the, the flesh. And so you have the, the life in the flesh and the life in the spirit. And they're kind of at war with, with each other within us. And so, and so what he's saying is with, with the new man in Christ, they, are, they, they joyfully concur with the, with the holy commandments of God's law. But with the old man, the flesh, the, our sin... They're prone to be held captive by the law of sin. <coughs> Excuse me. So I understand in, in, in Romans 7, um, it's primarily referring to immature believers who are struggling. Okay, They haven't really figured out, they've not learned about their new identity in Christ. And they don't, re they don't reckon themselves as dead. They don't, they don't see themselves as being dead uh, to sin and alive to God. And they've not yet learned how to rely on the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to put to death the, the deeds of the flesh. But they're living like unbelievers. They're living like lost people. So sin and guilt are our major problem for them. And even though mature believers sometimes experience consistent victory over sin, we still struggle daily with the flesh. And occasionally we lose a battle here and there. You do and I do. When we quickly admit that, when we say, yes, I struggle with the flesh, it helps us because we're recognizing the problem. 
So, so we struggle with this, and even, even, even mature believers struggle with that, and we have to understand how we deal uh, with guilt and how we overcome this temptation. And when we do sin as Christians, the enemy comes up, and he stirs the pot, and he, he causes us to question and doubt our salvation, you know? It, it's like, well, how do you know that all your sins are forgiven? True Christians don't do what you just did. You're hopeless. You might as well admit your hypocrisy in claiming to be a Christian and just quit trying to be holy. That's what the enemy tells us. That's how he attacks us. Is because we know that we struggle. And it's at that point that he attacks us. These verses are very practical and I want them to be an encouragement to each one of us today. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, sons, daughters, we all need this. Read with me. Romans 8, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to go down through verse 4. The Word of God says this. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as a offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that this morning that that you would be glorified in this. Father, we desire to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, these are your words. God, your word stands forever. And Father, we recognize that we need to hear these words. Father, I pray that you would just open our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would, be, uh, that you would glorify the Son as the Son glorifies the Father. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, in this passage, Paul he uses the word spirit in, in reference to the Holy Spirit at least 18 times in, the, in this eighth chapter. 21 times he refers to the spirit. And, and there are more references here to the Holy Spirit than in any other of his writings. And so what we have here is Paul's fullest discussion of how we are to live the new life, the born again life, the Christian life in the spirit. Not walking in the flesh, but, but living and walking and breathing in the spirit. Okay, in this spirit life, this new life in the spirit. And notice that, that uh, the word no. There is therefore now no condemnation. The word no there in the Greek is the first word of the sentence. Paul has given it priority. It is the most important word in this verse. And in the Greek, Paul uses a compound for the word no, udes which is even stronger than the normal word for no. 
It's like no period. It's like an absolute no. It's like a no with an exclamation point. Paul is affirming that there is absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. I love that. The primary emphasis is on the place of no. And he says condemnation, the katakrima, excuse me, katakrima, and is a, a, a strong Greek word that means this. It means death sentence. It means damnation. It means eternal death, this word. And as a believer, there is no, there, there is no damnation sentence hanging over your head. The noose that was around your neck for the sins that you have committed are gone, is gone. It's been removed. The noose around your neck has been removed. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. As a believer, with the double emphatic negative, Paul's way of saying, you are justified in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation. There is no sentence of death upon you because you are in Jesus Christ. Those words, in Christ, in Christ Jesus I mean, this status of having no condemnation is reserved exclusively for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, there's only two classifications of people. (laughs) Those who are not under the condemnation because they are in Christ and everyone else who is under the condemnation because they are not in Christ. See, there's no gray area. You are either in Christ or you're not in Christ. To be in Christ means that you have a union, a communion with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has placed you in the Lord Jesus Christ. You now have a vital and a personal relationship with Christ. And everything that is true of Christ is now true of you regarding what he has provided. I think this is huge. Because I need all the help I can get. I'm a miserable sinner. And I cannot do it on my own. But praise God, he made a way. He made a way where I could be in Christ so that there would be no condemnation. And what this means is this means that we are eternally secure. (laughs) Who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. They are eternally secure. In 725, Paul revealed that we can be set free from the power of sin by one thing, the atoning work of Jesus Christ. As he hung on the cross and died, this is what causes us to be set free from the power of sin. I love this. Because we are free, because of Jesus Christ, of the power of sin, but we're also free of the penalty of sin. And someday... Someday when we are in the presence of Almighty God in heaven, we will be free from the presence of sin. I mean, what a great thing. We're free from the penalty and the power of sin. See, those who are in union with him, those who have their faith in him, those who have been identified with Jesus Christ, those are the ones who are in him. Those who are justified, declared righteous, standing in his grace are no longer under the wrath of God. And we possess that eternal life. And all of our sphere of life is lived out in the spirit in Christ Jesus. See, we will go through struggles. 
against our sin nature. Sometimes we lose a battle here or there. (laughs) But the good news is we will never have everlasting punishment. The noose has been removed for our failures. See, that's the first benefit of the atoning work of Jesus Christ is that we have eternal security. So I'm wondering, Paul, is this, is this a new teaching? And I would say no. A thousand years before this, David, in Psalm 34, 22, he said this. He said, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. I mean, Paul's spot on. But our second benefit, the first one is eternal security. The second one is that we are internally free. I love this. Verse two says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free, has set you free from the law of sin and death. You know, like a slave, a a cruel slave owner, the law of sin and death rules Every unregenerate person, everyone who has not been born again, everyone who has not accepted Christ, he has ruled in their life that, that they will, the wages of sin is death. Christ sets us free from that. We're internally free. This permeates everything that we do. I, I love this because when we trust in him, the shackles fall off. We are no longer a prisoner. We are no longer bound by those things, those addictions, whatever it might be, our failures, our past. We are no longer bound by that, but we are emancipated. We are now free from that bondage. See, we can finally say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. See, in every one of us, in Christ, has the ability to reject sin. Because we are in Christ, we have the ability to reject sin. We can resist temptation and we can choose to live righteously. Choosing to and not choosing to are two different things. We can choose to live righteously or we can choose not to. But we have that internal freedom. Second benefit of the atoning work of Christ, internal freedom. And the third benefit is this, positional perfection. (laughs) Verse three says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. See, the law spelled out, perfect righteousness. But as sinful human beings, we couldn't obey that. But what we couldn't do, God did. What we couldn't do, God did by sending his own son. Did that make you perfect in every way? No. Obviously not. But it did make us positionally perfect. Because when God looks at us, he sees us as being washed in the blood. He sees his son's blood covering us. When God looks at us, he looks at us through the lenses colored by Jesus' blood. 
you might say that God has rose-colored glasses on. He sees his son. He sees the perfection of his son. And so when he sees you, he does not see your failures. When you are in Christ Jesus, what he sees is he sees the blood of his son covering you. He sees that you are positionally complete. You are perfect. You are mature. You are sinless. What a blessing that is. That when God looks at his children, he sees us as positionally perfect, as if we are sinless. He doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of his son who was perfect. See, the promise of no condemnation is available for all. Everybody could have it, but you know what? It is only applied to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not an automatic just because you live in America, because you, you go to church, because you, you've given some money or you've done some cool things for other people. That doesn't cut it. It's only for those who are in Christ Jesus that there is no condemnation. This is one of Paul's favorite phrases using in Christ different times. So to be a Christian means to be in Christ Jesus. And because we are in Christ, his righteousness is credited to us. Because Jesus is free from condemnation, we too, because we are in him, are free from condemnation. But remember, there are not different degrees of being in Christ. You are either a born-again believer in Jesus Christ or you are not. It's not differing degrees If you are a born-again believer, you are no less in Christ than the the best saint that you know. It doesn't matter how mature you are or immature uh, you are in the faith. It doesn't matter if you are um, ordinary or if you're ornery, if you're tough or if you're tender. For if you are in Christ, you are either in Christ or you're not in Christ. And according to 1 Corinthians 15.22, It says this, it says, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Because of Adam we die, but because of Jesus Christ we all live. You know, I love that because in in, uh, John 3, 16 and 17, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn or to judge the world, but that through him the world might be saved. I like to think of it like this. It's like Noah and the ark. It's like Noah and the ark. When God told Noah to build the ark, he told him very clearly that he was going to send judgment to the earth. And the only way to escape it was to be in the ark when the floods came. Genesis 7, 15, and 16 says, pairs of all the creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. Then the Lord Shut him in. Those who were in the ark were safe. 
And those who were outside were condemned. And once the door was shut, it guaranteed safety and security for those inside. But it was too late for anyone else that was outside. For those who did not believe, they were condemned already. And they died in the flood. All I can say is don't wait any longer. Get in the ark. Get in the ark. Jesus Christ is our ark. And that means that all of what I've said is applicable only to those in Christ Jesus. And the Bible is very clear. You're either in Adam and doomed to condemnation or you are in Christ and destined for commendation. You're in the light or you're in the darkness. You're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. You are, if you're in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, his perfection, and he credits you with all that is said about his son, and you will never be condemned. In other words, if you're in Christ Jesus, all of God's action toward you is his almighty mercy and his all-powerful assistance. It's not a mixed bag with God. He is for you. If you are in Christ Jesus, he is for you. See, most of the time in this world of pleasure and of, of pain, things are not what they always seem. To understand what things are really like and what is really happening, we need to put on the lens of God's word so that we can make sense of what we're going through as we're going through it. And in God's word, I love this, in Christ Jesus, God is always for you. In Christ Jesus, he is always for you. God is not out to get you. He's not punishing you. If you are in Christ Jesus, he is for you always. Folks, this is what Paul is getting at in writing Romans and in, 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 in hearing from God and writing this down. When he gets there in, in verse 31 when he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us, who is against us? See, you and I live moment by moment in the power of the Holy Spirit. Each and every day, we have to walk according to the Spirit. And real quickly, I want to give you um, five uh, applications, if, if you can. They're, they're just five words that, that describe how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The first one is we have to walk intentionally. It doesn't just happen because the old nature is always there. The body of flesh wants to pull us aside. And so we have to be intentional about walking in the spirit. We must be consciously aware of our own weakness and purposely living yielded to the lordship of Christ. We need to be aware of the need that we have for the power of the Holy Spirit. It must be intentional. I mean, throughout the day, as you and I are faced with decisions that we have to make, as we're faced with, with different things, the challenges that stretch us, we will either walk by the Spirit or we will walk in the flesh. And sadly, many times, we choose to walk in the flesh. I mean, whether we, we pray out loud or, or silently, 
within our heart. We have to acknowledge our need and ask him for strength to walk in the spirit. You know, when we're, when we're talking to someone, we're sitting at our desk, we're driving our car, we're arriving at home, we're disciplining our children, we're communicating with our wives. We have to be consciously aware and dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit to live in a God-honoring way. Because I guarantee you, the flesh wants to take over every time. Every time. We cannot pull this off in our own strength. We have to be intentional about it. But we also need to be continually in that. We have to be walking according to the Spirit at home, at work, at play. There's no time out. There's no time off from walking according to the power of the Holy Spirit. When we wake up, from the, from the time we wake up all the way through the day till we lay our head down on our pillow at night, we have to consciously and continually be submitting and walking according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Third, we need to be humbly, be yielded, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, yielding, surrendered, submitting our lives to the person of the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you said, Holy Spirit, you can do with me today as you wish. If you need a body to walk this earth in, use me. If you need to communicate something to someone, use me. Oh no, I got my plan today, Ridge. I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do today. It's already planned out. I don't need the Holy Spirit telling me what to do. See, this is a problem because we're control freaks. We want to be in charge. We have to continually, humbly, continuously be yielding ourselves to him. We cannot do it in our own power. Fourth, I'd say obediently. God's holy law requires obedience. We must keep and obey the law from our heart, meaning willingly, joyfully, voluntarily. Not with a sense of coercion against our will. The Spirit of God enables us to obey the law from our heart. And lastly, I would say prayerfully. We need to ask God both in our personal prayer life and consciously throughout the day to give us the power of his spirit to live in a way that glorifies God. I mean, we have to pray that we would react to people in a way that is God-honoring. Because you know what? If we're in a hurry, if we're impatient, the flesh is gonna come out. We need to be praying that we would react to folks in a, in a God-honoring way, that we would answer people in a way that honors the Lord and his word, and that we would make the right priorities and right choices and keep those priorities in order. But you see, this requires our prayer, our participation, our responsibility. We must pray for God to enable us to walk according to the power of the Spirit. See, the, these are incredibly important verses that lay this foundation for us as a believer to understand how to live this new life that we have. Because frankly, many of us look just like the world. We're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And so if we're gonna surrender to the Holy Spirit, Paul is telling us how we can live this spirit life. There is now no condemnation we're not living as a Christian with a sense of guilt. We're living and motivated by grace. 
The Spirit of God has set us free from the law of sin and death. The Spirit is now the operative. It is now the power that guides our walk with Christ. The ruling force in our life, it is the reality. That is the reality, is the Spirit of God guiding us. And you know what the law could not do? The Spirit of God is working out within us, both to will and to work for God's own pleasure. This morning, I want to end by doing something just a little bit different. I'm going to ask our worship team if they would come up and, and uh, be ready to go here. And, and, um, but what I want to do is I want to read this verse again. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in just a moment. And we're going to personalize, we're going to personalize the promise. I mean, if you have accepted Christ, if you have asked him into your heart, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God is not angry with you regardless of what you have done. He loves you. He cherishes you. He's given you a thumbs up because he believes in you and because you matter to him. And while we may celebrate this scripture, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can celebrate it. We may even be able to memorize it. But here's what I know is that many of us struggle to personally put that into practice. And so this morning, I want to I get specific on a few things. This is the word of God. God's word stands forever. And what I would like to see this morning is I would like to see this body speak the word of God to this body. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a phrase. And after this phrase, I want you to follow it with what's going to be on the screen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you just stand with me? We're going to declare this over the body. That doesn't mean we have to shout it. It means we, as the body, are going to declare this over one another. You know, if you were raised in a religious environment that has caused you to be filled with guilt and shame, even today, we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're struggling with sin and your failures because you seem to fall short, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If your memories of what you did in the past are paralyzing you, then we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
if your memories of what someone else did to you in the past are haunting you and eroding your self-image, we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're struggling with sickness and you've begun to think that God is somehow paying you back for your sins, we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you see your problems as punishment from God, we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you find yourself thinking that God is angry with you and out to get you, we say to you this morning, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If someone around you is condemning you and putting you down and you think that you are worthless, we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You know, if your relationships always seem to rupture and you feel like no one cares, we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One last one. If your children are breaking your heart and you feel like it's all your fault, we say to you, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, no matter how many times you have failed, no matter how many times you failed God, no matter how many times you failed yourself or your family, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And no matter how bad you may have failed, you can be sure that if you are trusting in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then our worship team is going to lead us in some more worship. If you've never gotten in the ark, if you've never confessed Christ as your Savior, and you would like to do that this morning, I would like to know about that. Please come find me. I'm going to be right down here. Maybe you have a decision you want to make. You want to follow the Lord in baptism, being obedient to Him. Do that this morning. Maybe you want to come and be a part of this church and join this church. You can do that. Maybe you just want to grab someone and come and pray. This is why we're here. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. And I thank you for the promise of your word. Your word which stands forever that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that you would draw men and women and sons and daughters to yourself. Father, I pray that we would actually see that noose removed from around our neck, that you're not out to get us, but that you love us. And it is sheer joy to see your children worshiping you. Father, I pray that you would be glorified as we glorify 
the name of Jesus Christ. Father, give us the strength to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, to say no to the flesh, but to say yes to you. Father, you be glorified this morning in this body, in this place. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.